Good morning and welcome everyone. Good to see some faces that we haven't seen for a while. Uh, Rosa, Bien, and, uh, and those for the first time, uh, welcome and enjoy this place and enjoy the company. I, um, I have been uh, working on this uh, series of, of God, about God and, and, and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And uh, also, I looked at um, last time about uh, baptism, perhaps the mechanical side of it. Uh, hopefully, we will look at. Uh, other things about baptism. But this morning is, uh, I'd like to see if we can look at how can we communicate with this God? How is it possible for me to talk to this God? And can I hear his voice? Is it possible to uh, to somehow direct my thoughts and that this God will hear us. So this, is, this one is not an exegesis because there are many parts from the Bible where people talk to God. Uh, welcome, Patty. We haven't seen you for a few Sundays. It's good to have you here. Um, but uh, it's not an exegesis, but rather it's uh, something about um, a thought. Perhaps... Let's have a look at one way, one particular way that we are to how to communicate with this God. So, um, I thought I'll bring a, a biblical, try to bring a biblical context and some meaning at the same time. You know that uh, some of you that are not up here, it's so difficult to bring biblical context and bring meaning. Because biblical context takes us to two or three thousand years back. And it's great. And we, we think, wow, that is something that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm so glad that I can see, that I can understand, that I can understand the scriptures. But then on the other hand, what does it mean to me? What does it mean to me today? And so more often than not, uh, people would go for some inspiration. Try to inspire someone to, to think or to uh, motivate them to go on. So in order to get meaning and context, I cannot do it without the help of the Holy Spirit. So let's pray and let's ask the Holy Spirit to do that which I cannot do. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you this morning for your grace, for your goodness. We want to thank you for your word. And we ask you that you would speak through this word that is before us as you did to the disciples and to the crowds. Lord, only you can bring meaning and context and inspiration. And we ask you that you would do ju just that through the power of the Holy Spirit, that you would feed us through your word. Lord, we pray for those that are not here today. We ask you that you would bless them in like manner, that you would be with them, that your spirit and your blessings would reach them also. And we pray for wherever there's two or three gather in your name, 
that you would be the delivering and blessing. And Lord, we want to push it a little bit further. And we pray for those that are alone. Lord, there is no two or three. Those that are in prison or those that are sick, we pray for them, Lord. Although they might be alone with no one, but we ask you that you would be there blessing them, having communion with them. That you would make the second person that is not there. For we ask you and we thank you this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So let's turn to Matthew chapter 6. There is no overhead today. We should know this all. Uh, should know it off by heart. And uh, I believe that Jesus taught the Lord's Prayer many a times. What makes me think that? Because in here Jesus takes the initiative. And in Luke, it's the disciples that are asking, please teach us how to pray. So definitely there is a desire. And, uh, and Jesus picks it up. I'll, I'll read a little bit. I'll go a, a little bit back in chapter 6 in Matthew. In order so we are in the, uh, in, in, in the frame that Jesus is trying to, uh, to bring this prayer. So I'll read from chapter 6 verse 1 and I'll finish with verse 14. And it says, Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the scribes do it in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by men. I tell you the truth, they have received the reward in full. But when you give, when you give to the needy, do not let your left arm or your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving Maybe in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth. They have received the reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Interesting. So you pray to a father that is unseen, but he sees you. Just like the contrast of the way that Matthew thinks. Um, and when you pray, do not keep on babbling like a pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This then is how you should pray. Your Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. What do you do with me, those that know? That's better if you know it in the King James Version or... So, let's start again. Hmm? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. 
your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if we forgive men when they sin against you, if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Interesting. What I say interesting is just the way that Jesus puts the setting, the way that he does it. Those of you that are familiar with Jewish customs, you will know that Jesus here is talking of dinner time at the table. <coughs> it is the end of the day. He said, but where do you get that from? Well, let's come through the Bible and show you how it, it just puts it there. Because during the day, the father would be working in a field. There was no car, bus to go or train to go home for lunch. The main meal was in the evening. And that's when the family would be sitting together. And Jesus says that when you pray, it is not addressing the Father as of this God as, uh, as the rock or as, uh, as many times in the Bible is, is referred to, but as Father. So the Father used to sit at the head of the table, not a table like this, what we have here today, but it was on the floor, it was a mat, and the Father would sit at the head of it, and the whole family would be around that mat, having a meal. And the father was the one that would be breaking the bread. And so he says, uh, Jesus, El, Heavenly Father. So while the father may have many children, but it's a personal father. So my father to me is my father. It's very, very personal, but it's also El, Father. So rather than addressing, of course, we know that El, Father is my father. It, 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 rather than making it, it's about me, it's about us. All of us that are here sitting at this table. Our Father, which are in heaven. And this is probably the most riveting thing for those that were listening. Our Father, which are in heaven, hallowed be your name. And you think, well, what, what do you get in that? Give me a minute. So, our Father, which are in heaven, hallowed be your name. We want to give you honor, we want to give you glory, we want to give you respect. El Father would jump in heaven. I thought that the setting was on the table. How can that be? How can it be that we are addressing God as being in heaven, but the setting is on the table where God is here? And then it says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. As it is in heaven. Is Jesus trying to tell us that God is only a visitor here? That he comes and sits with us as a visitor? That this place perhaps is not the place and maybe it should be the place where he is? Let me draw a parallel. We know the story of the father and the two sons. And one of the sons stays with the father, and the other one says, Father, give me my inheritance, and I'm going to go, I want to go and live my life. When God created heaven and earth, 
God gave Adam and Eve not dominion and power over heaven, not dominion and power over the angels, not dominion and power over anything that is above the heavens, but he gave it dominion over the animals and the fish and the birds. And he said, rule over the earth. This is your inheritance. Adam, take care of it. This is what I'm giving in your hands. And what did Adam do? He lost it to sin. Did he not? Like in call this story the prodigal son, call it whatever you want to call it. Now these days it's not about the prodigal son, it's about the loving father. Call it whatever you want. This son goes away and wastes the inheritance to sin. Is coming back to the father. What happened to the inheritance? It's gone. It's squandered. And in this setting, Jesus is drawing that parallel that, hey, earth was given to you, and God should be here, but you have lost it. Therefore, God is in heaven, and the inheritance that He gave you, and when He was coming to visit you and have fellowship with you in the garden, It's not happening. And so this cry of the heart in the setting, we are saying, our Heavenly Father, our Father which are in heaven, whichever way we want to praise it, hallowed be your name, we give you glory, we honor you as a Father, and we want you to come back, we want your kingdom to come back here to reign over this place. We want you to be part of our lives. Because the kingdom that is right here, and this was very evident in Israel. Israel just lost at the time that this is written. Israel didn't have their country for already some 400 years. So there were other kingdoms that would come. There were the Greeks and, and, and the Persians and the Romans and the Babylonians and everybody is, is raging over the country. And they are, and it would be able to go to Philippi uh, of Caesarea of Philippi, you would see all the different shrines. So this is an abomination. How could you have such, such, such thing in Israel? How could you have all these idols? And, they, and, and the people of Israel, they were powerless because they had no more. Their country was given to someone else. They had lost their country. They had no say in their own country what shrine should and should not be there. And so when we draw this parallel and we look at it and we look at the prodigal son and we look at, at the setting, definitely there is a cry of the heart saying, you know what, we are foreigners in here. This place is not the way that it should be. And that's what it should be addressed in. And this is when the Lord's Prayer starts to have meaning in our lives. Because when we start to see the things that are around us and we're not happy with them, when we see the laws that are being passed by government, when we see the laws that are being passed by uh, people around us and the demonstrations that people have and the rights that people want to have, and we say, this is not right, I disagree with this. And people then say and vilify us that they have every right to do it. And you know what they do? They have every right. This place, it is not the place we have handed it over to sin in the Garden of Eden. So the people have the right to go on the street and demonstrate about whatever 72 genders they want to 
profess to have. Do they have the right? They do. We have given them the right. But it should break their heart. This is not normal. This is not what we want. This is not what God intended us to have and to be. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. We want you to reign over all the earth. We want your... Remember Jesus talking to a pilot? He said, uh, I'm not from here. My kingdom is not from here. But we would like the kingdom to be here. So Jesus himself is saying, you know what? This place is not a nice place. In fact, I'll... I'll if I have time, we will go back to that, that about this place not being a nice place. As much as we would love to think that this is a wonderful place, when we look at the reality of what sin is doing to us and what sin is doing to your children, then we will realize that this is perhaps not the best of places. I'm talking about planet Earth. So, Jesus per, per, first frames... He divides the prayer into two things. That our relationship and the way that we think about God and then about us and our need and the way that we live. So that's the two. So we, we have somehow addressed the first one. Let's go to the second one. And the second part, it says, give us today our daily bread. Um, give us today our daily bread. A simple line and... How can that be meaningful, especially when your fridge is full? How can you pray and say, Oh Lord, give us today your daily bread? And you open the fridge and say, Okay, what should I have? You know, you open the pantry. And, and sometimes we're like children, you know. Uh, I don't know about your kids, but my kids growing up, they would come and open the pantry and the fridge and wander around and say, Does anybody have anything to eat in this house? Wow. <laughs> Okay, I think I'm not the only one that experienced that. Uh, so, you know, give us today your daily bread. Well, what is it that you want, son, girl? Uh, but daily bread is everything that encompasses our life. It is not just the bread that we're going to partake and eat, but it's also our sustenance. And what Jesus is saying, son, daughter, Girl, you are no longer able to cater for your own sustenance. You depend on God. This is not about you earning your bread. This is not about the strength that you have. But there is no, this goes beyond that. Think about it. Think about the psychological things that you're going through. The emotional things that you're going through. The financial stress that you might be going through. Think about the, the environment that you live in. Think about the, 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 uh, the position that you might be in as a family, as having a relationship with, with those around you. Try to live in a world where you're vilified, where you are ostracized. Try to live in a world where people uh, just persecute you. Try to live in a world where you have no room in your family. Try to live in a world where nobody agrees with you, where people actually don't like you. You try to live in a, in a world. You know, there is a, uh, I, I was reading this week about the, the parallel 
of Saul and David. And I know that we think that David are this heroic thing, but when you look at deep in the heart of Saul and of David, you look at those two, and, and we say that Saul disobeyed God, he did not destroy the Amalekites. But hey, did you ever read that David twice fought the Amalekites and he never destroyed them? Have you thought of it? Have you read it? And you say, yeah, but David repented. So did Saul. Saul cried his heart out. You know how much repented? Saul, come here, man. Come here. I want to show you how much Saul repented. Saul grabbed Samuel by the rope when Samuel is going so hard that actually tore the rope. Thank you. You can see now. Saul cried his heart out. Why is it that we have this image about Saul? That is not right. What was Saul missing? What was the daily bread that Saul did not get that perhaps David got? Another topic for another time. Maybe you can discover it at home. But this daily bread that we crave for, that we need as human beings, of peace, love, and, and acceptance, and, and being part of, of something, and being able to be satisfied. That we cannot cater ourselves for it for our own selves. We depend on God. We depend on God's mercy. And when it says, give us today our daily bread, it follows then by saying, and forgive us. How does it go? And forgive us your debts as we forgive those that are around us. You know, we don't we don't try this too. But I can assure you, these two are so tight-knit here. We live in, in, in Australia, in a very wealthy country, and uh, and kids. That's why I'm saying that sometimes context and meaning is so far apart. I'll try to bring the context here. In, in the days that this is written, there is a table spread. Some of you will identify on, 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 with this, and there was no KFC for lunch. You know, today KFC you can actually order. You know, some people want. Uh, Spicy wings, other people want, you know, whatever they call it, popcorn, chicken popcorn and whatnot, whatever the names they give, and others want chips and you can choose the sauce. And that's what you get, and it's private parts, it's your own meal. Well, it was not like that in a meal sitting at home. So the, the family would come home, and uh, and the, the mother usually ate the leftovers. I don't know about, uh, is there any mothers here that need leftovers from the kids still today? Okay. Uh, the mother had the hard end of the stick. But, their father had to have sustenance, so he would have perhaps the best part. If the priest was there, he would get the best part. He would, he would give the priest the liver. I know some of you the liver. Yeah, it was, the liver was the best part, and, and some of the organs were given to the priest. And if the priest was there, not there, then the father would have some, and he would give to the sons or daughters, and he would say, okay, so you didn't go to work today, then maybe I'll give the drumstick to you because you were a good boy. Yeah, that's how the father would <coughs> the children at the table. So it was more on Mary, who gets what? So the, the chicken didn't have 25 run sticks, I can assure you. There were parts of the chicken that, I know your egos are disgusted and even saying that that's okay, you can be disgusted, I love my chicken. Uh, but uh, it, it's about the way that the father would distribute the bread of hearts, and, and the chicken had only two drumsticks. And if there were five sons, which son would get the drumstick? So it was not so much, sometimes it was about favoritism, but it was more about earning. 
And so what Jesus is saying, give us today our daily bread and forgive us. Father, don't think of what I've done on the day. Please, don't make any favoritism here. I want to be taken as a child, just like your favorite child. I, want to have, I, know, I know that I have done wrong, that I'm repent for that, but now that there is some reckoning, now that there is dinner at the table, I want you to be merciful to me and don't take into account of what I deserve or what I have done. Yeah? In other words, I'll draw a parallel again. I don't want to be like Saul. I want to be like David. You know, maybe it's maybe that's unfair because then I'm saying that God has got favoritism. But rather, I want to I I, I want you to to think of me as your best son. I know what I deserve. And yet, I want you to have mercy on me. Does that make sense? Is that the way that we think? Forgive your debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. It is almost unconditional, yeah? So when I come to the table, then I need to reflect. How am I going to phrase it? Have I forgiven those that have sinned against me? Can I claim this? at the table. <coughs> and if I haven't, there is another part of Matthew says so that leave your gift yeah, at the altar. And go and try to make it right. Because I want to give you the same as you have given. Incidentally, something that is gone is that he does not measure by the way he can. He's sovereign. So he's, he can measure a rule by the way that he thinks. But in most cases, he's saying, you know what? It's just like our constitution. In this church, we have the right, the Australian government gives us the right to have a constitution and to put the laws the way that we want to put it. That's right. It's all good. And then, should something go wrong, when we go to court, the government will say, well, they are your laws. We're going to judge you by your laws. So Jesus is saying, uh, you know what, Igor, you, you have a ruler. I'm happy to use your ruler. Yeah? So if you have forgiven, and how much you have forgiven, that's how much I'll forgive you. You will reap as much as you sow. Have done it to others, or do unto others as you would have it do unto you. And so he uses his different rulers saying, you know what, I'm sovereign. I'm happy to use your ruler. That's okay. Okay. And, and, and what did David say? No, 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 no please. Uh, I don't want to be judged by human rulers. I, I, want, I want to have your mercy. Just a contrast, a parallel there. I mean, give us your daily bread and forgive us. And, and I rely on the mercy of God. You know, my ruler is not very good. My ruler is terrible. And, and I, I'm, I'm trying to get rid of it. Somehow it's stuck to me. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Does that mean that God can lead someone to temptation? Is that what it's being said here? Or perhaps spare us 
Lord, I want you to stay me from, from falling, from, from I already walked away. I know what it's like to hand over creation to foreign hands. And I want you to keep sparing me and deliver me, deliver us from evil. What is this evil? I know that some people think, oh, it's a demonic forces. Uh, you know what? I was reading uh, this week about uh, when the disciples came to the boat in Matthew, incidentally, and, and they cry out, save us. Save us? What do you mean save us? It's only a storm. But to them, it was salvation is more than being saved from our sins. Salvation is being saved from ourselves, saved from each other, saved from, from, from all these things that are considered at times evil. Deliver us from evil. All these things that, are, that can really give us a hard time and a headache. And so uh, in, in, when he sends uh, the, the, the disciples on the countryside, said, okay, so heal people, yeah? Deliver them from evil. You know, do all these things. Bring freedom. Deliver us from evil. Deliver us from the evil that is around us, that is immediate close to us, the evil that sometimes is beside us, and even the evil that can be from within us. Yeah? Deliver us from evil. I'm not sure that I told you the story. When I had cancer, to me, it was so personal. And do I call cancer evil? Yes. You can call it whatever you want. To me, it was something evil. To me, I literally visualized in my mind what cancer done. It used to me a visual thing of what cancer was not a sickness. Cancer was something that was alive. Cancer had a format. Cancer was there like a butcher that they sharpened in the knife and looking at me and saying, I'm going to kill you. Was that evil? Yes. Absolutely. Was I ready to go? Well, yeah, I'm saved. But you know what? I still love my family. I love my children. I love you. And given the choice, I don't know which one I will do. It's difficult. But in this case, I am now forced to choose, or there is a choice being imposed on me that perhaps I was not ready for. Deliver us from evil. You know, if there is someone sick here today, and I, I'm not saying this lightly, and if you need deliverance, it's time to pray. If you need any sort of deliverance, if I need any sort of deliverance, and if we need daily food, if we're struggling, we need to consider that perhaps it's part of the daily bread that we need. We need something else that we have enough of that nasty daily bread. So where are we left with all this? What do we learn from the Lord's Prayer? We learn that we are craving and we are calling for God to come to inhabit us and to inhabit our habitat and to inhabit our environment. We want God to rule over us. We don't want to be ruled by foreign things. Number two is that we've got needs that we can no longer, no longer cater for. 
I desperately need Jesus to help me. Number three, I need to forgive. Because I need to be forgiven because I want to be equal to you. See, I know that some of you are more spiritual than me. But I want to have the same blessings as you do. And I know that some of you are less spiritual than me. And you also want to have the same blessings that I have when we come before the Father. And that's fair. And our Father is a fair Father. But we need to be on a forgiving side. And I definitely want to be delivered from evil. And the Lord bless us. And I want to invite you that if there's anyone that needs prayer today, that you would feel free to come and talk to Reverend Michael, uh, Eddie, myself, or many others. Feel comfortable with someone else. But let's get on the right track, on the right foot. We want to have this communion with God. Incidentally, today we're going to have communion. It's the very same table with a different meaning upon what Jesus was talking about the Lord's Prayer. And, and when we approach the table today of communion, have we forgiven? Do we desire to, to be blessed? Do we desire our being blessed? Do we need it? Best friend. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and we ask you that you would cater for our needs, that the deficiencies that we have, that you would make up for that. Lord, we ask you that you would save us, that you would not reject us, that we would be like your children. And you that are just and righteous, that you would see us all with equality. Deliver us from evil, Lord. And we ask you that your kingdom would come, and it would come sooner than later. Lord, the Spirit and the church cry out, Come, Lord Jesus, come. For this place, it's no longer a safe place. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for everything that you have done and that you're doing for us. And we thank you that you are visiting us day after day, hour after hour, that your presence is always here. But now we also want to be in your presence, in your kingdom. In Jesus' name we ask you and thank you. Amen. Amen.